after last time's session, despite it being on the topic of human longevity, uh, I got back from Spain and I just had the worst cold. I don't, I can't even remember when last I had such a bad cold. It was so strange. Yeah. Cause I think the last time I was that sick was like COVID. But one of the things that you do when you're sick is that you, you'd like, uh, you know, just sit on, watch YouTube videos. And I don't know about you, but I've got this uh, particular fiction for um, a guy called Jim Browning. So Jim Browning is it's a it's a very particular niche that you can find on YouTube. And what he does is he he gets on the call with uh, scammers, and he almost anti scamming, and it's really fascinating how he like confronts them, and he also goes through the process of like trying to get like he tries and hacks their systems, like steals their files. And like, he's almost like, he's like a CIA operative in a sense, like trying to uncover these call centers in India where they're trying to do like all of these different types of scams. I and did see the collaboration that he did with Mark Rober. Uh, the, yes. The guy who builds stuff, they sent a whole bunch of glitter bombs and fart bombs into some of yeah. those offices and also worked with local authorities to have huge offices of like these Indian call center scams get yeah. shut down. And then he hacks their uh, video systems. So I think I saw the one where he's literally talking to the guy and he's telling the call center guy like what he's wearing, what the and because he's got access into that camera system. And it's very interesting because uh, the way they build these internal systems to try and distribute these lists of emails and lists of phone numbers is like all on like really simple PHP apps that they've deployed onto like uh, unsecured websites. So it's just like an HTTP endpoint. So he obviously like hacks those and does like a whole bunch of mischief and, and uh, nefarious things. It's really insane. And I actually found out that it's it's called, um, it actually has a name. It's called scam baiting. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a particular type of uh, uh, affliction I have in terms of like watching these really long videos uh, of like about an hour where he goes through the whole process of how he uncovers a small uh, operation in the middle of New Delhi. I've been following a similar project or, or a different project, but in a similar vein is that uh, it's important to shut down scammers because, you know, they're scum. Um, but yeah. one of the easiest ways to fight back against these scammers is to uh, waste their time, right? So yeah. if you get like scams, uh, emails from Nigerian princes, you can, there's actually two Chrome extensions that are pretty neat. The first one is called uh, send them to password purgatory. So you, whenever you get that email, you, uh, press the password purgatory button and it sends them an email back saying like, hey, this sounds like a really good opportunity. Um, I'd definitely like to partner with you on it. Can you please uh, just sign into my collaboration platform over here and we can we can iron out the details. And it takes them to the login page over there and they have to create an account. And so they type in, you know, name, email address, password. And then it's like, your password needs to have uh, an uppercase character. And then they submit. Your password <laughs> needs to have uh, a number. And they submit. Your password needs to have a special character. And then they submit. Your password needs to have 
it needs to be a certain length and they submit and it keeps on going and then they become more and more obscure it's like your password needs to end with a b <laughs> and then once they give once they give up because they will inevitably inevitably give up it takes all of those passwords and the time that they spent with this uh there's also like a long sleep uh in each submission so you submit it and then it like says you know generating generating 20 seconds right and then it's a response <laughs> and then you receive an email which is like you have just wasted x amount of their time and it shows you all the different password submissions that they <laughs> that they tried to submit uh which i think is quite delightful and then That's um it. A similar one, someone built a uh, GTP3 uh, chatbot that whenever you get a email from them, what you do is you forward it to this chatbot email address. And then it just has absolutely bullshit conversations with this guy wasting their time. So it's like, I have a I have a business opportunity for you. And the chatbot will be like, well, boy, that doesn't that sound incredible? And then they'll be like, <laughs> you know, try and get them to buy Ethereum or something like that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so those of you listening, if you haven't already picked up, the topic of today is uh, scams. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Herman and Jason's Spin the Yarn. And we're going to continue our little conversation about scams, frauds. First, we need to run an ad. Do you want to make money online now? Uh, of course. Yeah, I, I thought you might be. You are a human on the internet. Um, well, if you... Just follow my 10-step process. You too can be as rich as me. Look at me. I have a Ferrari. Only 10 steps? Yeah, 10 steps. You must, you must buy my course I now. I, I can't believe it. Um, yeah. Uh, I think scams, uh, frauds, uh, they have a particular sort of um, place in the internet, right? It's something that you can almost like not avoid right there's scams of different natures there's scams uh i mean just really rubbish products out there which i guess are not scams they're just really bad well products. i guess like there, yeah. there is a very uh it's a very fine line right is that someone who is selling you a course on how to get rich is technically not a scam however it's very scammy in that they don't know, like they, that they're selling you a product. Um, and I think like a good rule of thumb in that case is if you have to pay to learn the secrets to wealth, it's probably a scam or it's like, it's probably not worth your time. People don't sell the ways to get rich. Yeah. I actually went to one of these. So when I was in Cape town, I must've been like, just, just out of like university um and it was one of these i think it was like a trading platform or something like that and you i got this invite it looked quite flashy like a nice email uh attending this really fancy hotel and i would be attending like a seminar and in the seminar uh they presented a couple of people that had used this platform and what it would do is uh, tell you basically you would do uh what's called options uh so you basically just in a sense try and predict whether the market's going up or down in the next in like bid. five minutes yeah in the next five or f five or six minutes uh but with the help of this platform uh it made it really simple to to pick up when a trend would be happening 
uh, so you could jump on. And they had this lady who came up who said how she'd uh, made uh, two pips or two pips a day uh, and all of these kind of jargon words. Uh, and the price of the software was about 45,000 Rand. Oh, wow. So it was a pretty hefty piece of software. And I, um, it was interesting to see that there was at least a couple of people that were really considering, like contemplating it. I was quite interested in the technology side. Uh, obviously, I've got a sort of affinity towards finance. Uh, so I was just like really interested to see what it was. But then after going and looking through it a few times, I was like, hmm. Yeah. And then I looked up the owner. Uh, and the owner is like this really uh, outgoing guy who had a lot of videos with him hanging outside, hanging out of a helicopter saying that he's made his money, but he want, now wants to turn that around and make other people rich using the same techniques that he's learned over many years of working in the finance world in London. And the, so, the, the quick, the quick uh, think that you need to have over there is, well, then why is he selling it? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, and it's like if uh, the, you, there are many like cryptocurrency trading bots that you can buy or rent. Um, but the fact of the matter is that if a person has a cryptocurrency trading bot or a options, uh, an, an options indicator, a stock options indicator, and it works, they're not selling it. Right. Mm. What they're going to do is they're going to mortgage their home. And they're going to put all of their money into it and they're going to get filthy yeah. rich until the market corrects for it. Yeah. So right. so for those of you who don't know, options are essentially just uh, gambling, uh, I would say. All you're doing is saying that whether the stock price is going up or down. Uh, I think there was a lot of interest in this kind of action around about the time that uh, GameStop and all of those things that were going huge with Wall Street bets and all of that. But... Um, yeah, it was essentially gambling, right? Uh, because yeah, so there's so no think... way you would sell that stuff if you had that technology. You would be running a quant trading fund, right? Absolutely. And you'd sell that to like in investors to make their money because then you could actually get like returns on that, right? Well, so so I guess uh, that's another really easy scam. Is what you do is you actually create a uh, a platform like an op you you create an options trading platform. And what you do is you optimize it in such a way that people do win. Uh, so if you take a look at casinos, casinos, uh, the odds are stacked against the player, but not by much, right? So it's like uh, nine out of 10 times. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, let's say, for instance, for every $10 you put in, $9 will you'll get back, right? On average. However, the casino expects you to play many, many games so that they will always take 10% away from you, mm. right? If you walk into a casino and you win within, you know, your first or second hand and you leave, right? That's the worst thing to happen to a casino. The casino wants you to come in there. They want you to win some, to lose some, to win some, to lose some, and they take their 10% of your money, right? Or all of it or whatever. And so uh, essentially what you could do with, with an options trading platform is you have random price goes up, price goes down within the next five minutes. You could literally just use like brown noise to, to generate a realistic looking graph uh, with a specific outcome. 
And you just have it so that it is optimized that when people start trading on the platform, they start off by making money. And people don't walk away from things that make money, which is why uh, which is mm. why Ponzi schemes are so effective. Is yeah, people start making money, they start telling other people that they're making money. What you have to do is you have to optimize it so that it stays within the realm of people are still engaged, use gamification techniques, whatnot, and then start taking the luck out of their favor, right? So now they're losing a bit more than they're winning. And they're like, ah, oh, but I remember that time when I was making so much more than I was losing, right? And so you just keep on doing that until they don't have any money anymore. It's such a fascinating area, actually. Uh, scams enters into this whole sort of like philosophical uh, realm where you're thinking about things. And what uh, I think I've had a conversation with you about it before, but in sort of these multiplayer um, online games, the way that they matchmake is very much similar to that the, the way that they would use in that options trading platform that you mentioned. They would pair you with uh, a group of players that were potentially worse. So if you're thinking of like League of Legends, Dota, you get paid paired immediately with a worse team, right? Because they obviously know how good you are to a certain extent. You get paired with a worse team. So the first thing you do is you win a game, right? And you're like, yes, I'm on fire. Maybe you win a second game and you're just like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Then you lose a game. Uh, and because it like pay- it pays you with a couple of really good players. Uh, and so now you've like lost a game. So you're like, okay, I can't end on a loss, right? So let's play another game and you lose. And then you're thinking about that time that you won and that dopamine rush that you got. And then it becomes like this sort of uh, rat hole where you can yeah. just keep on going and going and going, trying to get that one win and unfortunately that plays out in um, a lot of different scams actually that sort of first loss and then trying to recoup that loss um, both in the gambling sense and in the ponzi mlm sense but you also have to make sure that they know that they can win so it's good to start off with a bit of a win streak because it like hits them like yeah. oh this there's something here i can do this um, and so it also tells them how they can theoretically get that money back, but they're not going to get that money back. Um, yeah. So let's let's take a step back from from the online world for a second, uh, or online adjacent world. Um, and I have a story for you about the first time that I was scammed. Uh, well, before we do that, we must just be careful not to make too many assumptions for the audience, right? So for those who aren't aware, uh, Ponzi schemes, uh, pyramid schemes, um, if you're not familiar with the term, a Ponzi is essentially uh, taking money from someone in the... uh, As an investment. As an investment and promising to return that money at a certain time. So it usually it's different from a pyramid scheme in that it's usually like a single entity. But the way that it works is that basically as you're adding more, more and more customers, uh, when you have a customer who wants their money out, you're just using the money from other customers who are putting money in to pay out that person. So you can give like 10x if you found 10 other people to use your service. So it kind of relies on this a little bit of a, a bait. Uh, and because you're investing it, you've got a little bit of time to... Uh, basically acquire new users and then you can pay out a little bit. But over time, as long as you've got more users coming in because of the ludicrous um, returns that that you're getting, 
then you will continue to make money until the point where there's not enough people um, coming in. So they call it the the robbing Peter to pay Paul uh, analogy. Yeah, that's but, a good that's a good way to put it. Is uh, if Ponzi scheme is just collecting people's money together and then paying out returns from that shared pool. But if you always have new users coming in or new people coming into the scam, there's always more money yeah. to pay out dividends. Yeah. Okay. But let's let's hear your uh, your first time getting scammed. Okay. Cool. So so the first time getting scammed for me was uh, when I was in university and I just bought myself a new cell phone, and we have a platform in South Africa that's similar to Craigslist. It's called Gumtree, and for anyone who doesn't know, Gumtree is a cesspool, but I didn't know that at the time. And I decided to list my phone for sale, my old phone for sale on Gumtree. I received a very quick uh, email from someone saying that they would uh, like to buy my phone from me. And if I could drop it off, that would be that would be awesome. Um, he was also happy to to do a bank transfer now. Now, in South Africa, to do an interbank transfer, like from ABSA to Standard Bank, it takes one, two, two days for that money to clear, but the banks send proof of payments. So he's like, cool, I'll, I'll pay you now. And then you can just, uh, you know, we'll meet up and you can drop off the phone. So he, quote unquote, sent me the money and I received the proof of payment from a email address that looked reasonable. It wasn't the, and I should have checked, it wasn't the exact standardbank.co.za domain, but it was standard bank with two N's or whatever. I didn't look at it closely enough. And I received the proof of payment that, you know, I've, the money's on its way. And so I drove to a mall to meet him. And he seemed completely uninterested in inspecting the phone and the car mount that came with it. He just wanted to take it and leave, which I thought was a bit weird. Like when you're buying something, especially secondhand, you want to kind of inspect it on arrival, but he's just like, oh, thank you very much. And he buggered off. And then the money never arrived in my account. Uh, I was young. (laughs) And so now whenever I post something on Gumtree, I realize I received like five or six scam attempts in trying to sell it. Unfortunately, uh, well, I'm now wise to that trick. Unfortunately, the same thing happened to my sister last year with a laptop she was selling is someone sent her the money and she just never received that money. Uh, And they sent a Uber delivery guy to go and pick up the laptop. So they didn't even have to do it in person, essentially. Um, yeah, just reducing the risk for themselves. Yeah, uh, it's quite a common tactic when um, selling, uh, well, trying to sell tickets to to festivals. Uh, it's quite a common thing that I've seen. So if you uh, basically you're trying to sell your ticket because you can't go to something, or uh, you wanted to buy a ticket that's maybe secondhand, right? They usually do this right before the event so there's a ten there's a certain certain immediacy where you're like okay i need to get a ticket um so you go like to gumtree or you go to like um usually like facebook 
because some of these events have Facebook ad like sort of pages and they'll always ask you to like pay up front just to as a deposit um and then you know you either don't ever they don't ever come to uh give you the tickets or you can't find them or those kind of things um which is interesting it's like a it's it's a very um it's a weird place because it also highlights the challenges of online commerce uh when it comes to physical goods uh, and also not not just like direct commerce but like the secondhand market right places like gumtree it's a very hard problem i'd say to basically assure trust between two different parties yeah absolutely sure that I, I th- transaction goes out i think that's why like escrow services for products popped up i mean you can go through like bid or buy or something like that where you actually pay and they will hold on to the payment until you receive the product um yeah. but uh i have i actually have a really good example of a in-person scam that was I'm quite certain it was a scam that was attempted on me in uh, in Bali. So the scooter rental place that we rented the scooter from for our last week there, I went in there and it's a very casual system. You say, hey, I want a scooter for a week and they pretty much just give you the keys. They don't ask for a driver's license or any form of identification. They just assume that you're going to bring it back and people do. Um, so I rode up with a scooter and on the last day, I went to return the scooter and I said, hey, can I pay with my card? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Now, the exchange rate between uh, Balinese rupiah and or Indonesian rupiah and South African rand or US dollars is orders of magnitude. Uh, it's, it's, you know, thousands of rupiah per dollar to actually, yeah, thousands of rupiahs per dollar. And so... I needed to settle the full amount of uh, 290,000 rupiah. And he punches it into the machine and he shows me 290,000 rupiah. And I say, cool. And I type in my PIN and it debits my account. Then when the thing got printed out, I like look at the slip, which I usually don't do. I usually just crumple it up and put it in my pocket. But I looked at the slip and he had actually charged me 2,900,000 2,900,000 rupiah, which I would have hadn't, had I not been in Indonesia for three months and uh, had I been transacting as in US dollars, which is an even bigger dis- difference. All of these zeros can be a bit confusing, but I'm like, yeah. hey, uh, you charged us 10 times too much. We, this worked out to about 3,000 rand as opposed to 300 rand. Yeah. And he's like, he looks at it. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I, you know, essentially making it out that he had, he had accidentally added the extra zero in that. Yeah. So he, he refunded me with, um, with cash. And as I'm walking, I didn't think of it as a scam while that was happening. Um, but I, as I was walking away, I realized that if he did that to every single person who paid with a card, it's the perfect scam because first of all, it has plausible deniability oh, I'm so sorry that I've done this here. Let me refund you with cash. So it actually removes that danger. The second one is most people wouldn't be wise to it until they're back in their home country because they're returning the scooter. So they're leaving this place, right? Mm -hmm. And also uh, 
scoot, uh, scooters and stuff, you, people don't shop for them on Google Maps. There's, you just see like, oh, there's some scooters outside of that place. Yeah. And that's a scooter rental. I'm going to go and rent one from them. So it's actually like the perfect scam for the scammer because it's probably got a very high hit rate and it's got yeah. plausible deniability built in. And you essentially just charge 10 times as much to, to foreigners. Yeah, I had a similar, I had a similar sort of in-person scam when I was in Turkey, right? Uh, so one of the things, like we wanted to go have some dinner uh, and basically um, we found like this, we didn't want to go somewhere too commercial. So we found like this, like uh, basically, basically found this re like restaurant off the side road, right? Uh, and it was just full with Turkish people. It was like really sort of, uh, authentic Turkish food, you know, kebab, like, you know, vegetables, all of this kind of stuff. But uh, what the waiter did is that he understood English, but uh, it was kind of like a written down uh, system. So you write down, he, he would take your order, but he would write it in Turkish. And then at the end, it wouldn't go on like an iPad or anything. He would just like give you the bill at the end and give you like the Turkish written note. So it was very hard to determine what we had ordered and what had been added up. Um, luckily, the, the bill at the end wasn't overly extortionate. Obviously, Turkey being quite a, a good uh, sort of in terms of cheap, the cheapness of their products and stuff like that. It wasn't too much to like go and ask about. But I do think that that's also one of those things, right, where they can just say like, oh, this is what you ordered. This is how we write it um you know this is actually this price because you ordered this but it wasn't the one that we wanted because i we ordered like a small uh donna all right but he put like a big one right and i couldn't tell whether it was big or small or maybe there'd been like a miscommunication so that that was a little bit also like a bit like yeah it's you a know. bit cheeky um yeah, but it's because... also it's also not like bad i think i think the the scams that really get under my skin are the the ones where they especially are aimed at uh, like old people where, you know, the they will get a email from FedEx saying, hey, your package uh, needs to be delivered. And then they'll get on the call with the, you know, fake agent and the fake agent will say something like, yeah. oh, can you send me this amount? And then uh, it's essentially they then send a refund amount of x amount like twenty thousand dollars instead of two thousand dollars and then they ask them to go and like um use yeah. uh what's it western union to ship them uh the money back and these old people are in tears and go and send a lot of money that they they don't they can't afford to actually part with um to these scammers and so, so the thing that's the most interesting so that's also along with like the jim browning group uh those kind of those kind of videos what i find the, the most fascinating is that as a tech person who understands code it is blatantly obvious what they are doing in that scam so the way that they do it is i don't know if, if anyone's ever seen the developer tools right so if you go into any browser so firefox or or google chrome or something like that and you press f12 you can actually edit the page that you're looking at, right? It's not it's not like a static like image, right? It's something you can edit. So what they do is they get someone on a on a on a screen, they 
because you're an old like an older person you don't quite know what's going on sometimes they will move the browser to a different window or move it out of the pane that's being shared so if you think of like a screen being shared they would move it out and then they edit the code to make it look like there's been a transfer um and it's very easy to do you basically can you know you've got quite flex quite a lot of flexibility but if you're like a developer like a, like myself you're like this is insane that there's yeah. such a such a poor um understanding about how how simple things like websites work um and it leads to the kind of a question or one of the topics i wanted to discuss is what would you say are some of the top tips to look at and think about when you're interacting with websites so the um, because- the, the first the first tip in general um and this is actually a, a big one as it's really difficult to to take this tip because it's directed at the people who can't necessarily take this tip is that if you receive scam emails and scam sms's you'll notice a lot of the time that they have terrible spelling or terrible formatting and the reason for that is not because this person can't spell or can't format. Maybe it is. Maybe they're not a first language English speaker. Fair enough. But what they're actually doing is they are creating an automatic filtering mechanism to scam people who, I don't want to say aren't smart, but who don't pick up that that there's something wrong over here and are therefore more susceptible to being scammed. It's a lot easier to to scam someone who yeah. can't read and write good than it is to scam someone who can. Um, and... it's, to filter, it's to filter for gullibility, right? It's it's basically finding the people. So first of all, you have to be a certain level of gullible. Uh, and gullible sounds like a negative term, but you're, like, you're more susceptible to a scam. And by even calling into one of those centers, then... I would even say that's a filter mechanism because like, I mean, these days, I mean, if you're a millennial, you're probably never going to call anyone (laughs) for that ever anyway. You would have preferred to have like a chat. Um, Yeah, I I think. Then the the second one is in some cases, they will uh, essentially state that there's there's money for you and that you uh, you are this person. Essentially what they're doing is they're filtering for people who will claim something that is obviously not theirs essentially making this person complicit in something illegal uh which means that they are willing to do something dodgy on the internet to make money and it actually is one of the reasons why uh cryptocurrency scams are so successful not just because cryptocurrencies are irreversible and in some cases untraceable uh but also because you have a huge group of people on the internet who have shown that they are willing to do things that they do not understand in order to make money. Right. Yeah. And like, that's a perfectly primed group of people. Um, yeah. But I'd say that the biggest, the biggest indicator that something is a scam is someone is trying to give you money or give you a way to make money or whatever. People do not do that. Um, and People have heard that adage, like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is too many times that it's kind of lost its punch. But if I phrase it another way, no one's going to give you money on the internet. <laughs> like, no one is. Yeah. So 
my top tip is first of all well there's a tip and a half tip right um i agree definitely um like you're not going to get free stuff my top tip is whenever you're online whatever you're doing always go into your online presence with a sense of suspicion always be suspicious about every single site uh and obviously as you do that you will get some sites that are more trustworthy like so you know your your typical like linkedins like facebooks and those ones you start to understand how they're how they behave but if you go onto a new site always be really cautious and any email that you get there's an element of suspicion right because there's not just uh someone you're interacting with there's sometimes people can uh you know come between uh the sender and the receiver so this is called like a man in the middle attack or someone's email address could be compromised right so you could still get a legitimate email from someone who looks real but it's not actually from them it's from you know someone who's hacked that person's account so it's important to think about that and be like a little bit wary and especially when it comes to credit card details and putting your in passwords right if you ever ask for a password always be very suspicious of that because most websites have their own forgotten password flow so you can go to that site type it in google search it and then go through that link and try and reset your password never just do an automated click uh, and the second one yeah the second one is that https but this is a very interesting topic because while it's nice the https basically means that there's some some level of encryption between the server where your website is being rendered and your uh, browser where you're actually seeing it the challenge is that over time we've been trying to roll out https on the internet to make users more secure but in actual fact there's a couple of sites uh one of them being a company called let's encrypt that gives away free certificates so the https uh does not necessarily mean that it's an authentic website it just means that the connection is secure so you're still to that website <laughs> you're securely connecting to a false website and what's also difficult is that over time as more and more websites come online there's a um marketplace for domains right so web domains can become more and more ambiguous so like your your one with the fnb or like your standard bank you know spelling mistakes in standard bank or standard dash bank or uh you know corporate finance or you know any of these sites you can hyphenate them in ways and then get a certificate so it looks authentic so even on that level you know it becomes very very hard it get, becomes harder but you need to be um wary of things like that yeah um, and that's why i have the first rule is always be suspicious so to to hinge on always be suspicious and also people do not want to make you rich is if you find an investment online that promises over 10% per year it's probably a scam because no one can promise over 10% per year the market historically for the last 100 years has only been growing at about 10% per year on average and it's got downs and ups and we'll get more into this in our episode on investing uh but i think a really good example of a modern rendition of the ponzi scam 
or the Ponzi scheme was BitConnect, which was essentially, we're going to trade cryptocurrencies on your behalf uh, and give you a guaranteed return of, I think it was something silly, like 6% per month, which is huge. The fact that the, the fact that someone wants to give you 6% per month for an investment is means it is a scam. But cryptocurrencies were booming so hard in 2017 that it made it seem like a plausible actual return. And so everyone put their money into BitConnect. They started making money. They kept putting more money and telling other people about it. And so when BitConnect disappeared with all the money, um, as they would have to, it you know went with them. I mean, like the original Ponzi scheme uh, by all whatever his name was, Ponzi himself, was only promising 12% per annum. <laughs> Which yeah. in, the, in this age of like Tesla going 600x in a year, uh, it seems like a very low return. But no, 12% an annum is brilliant. If you can if you can get your investments to grow 12% per annum, awesome. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. And it's actually an interesting it's an interesting fact that quite a lot of the cryptocurrency scams come out of South Africa. So there's another one, I think it's Mo Trading International, which is I deep believe that I saw someone say it's one of the biggest uh I think it was a Ponzi scheme uh running in terms of crypto or uh trading ever. So yeah, um be careful out there because uh, there are people who are looking to get your money and it's also um, getting, I would say, easier, right? And more uh, abundant, the number of scams, the number of people out there because of the fact that you have all these new technologies and people don't understand it. So also, if you don't understand something, don't invest in it.